to be joking. Before you say how you go, yeah. I'm actually going great. I I think I'm a, I've learnt this week that I'm a social introvert because uh, I love this isolation stuff. To be honest with you, <laughs> loves a routine. Yeah, this guy. I've been doing the exact same thing the last week and a bit, week and a half, and I absolutely love it. That it's sounds so, so good. good. <laughs> I wish I could be the same. I hate being at home. I like breaking up the routine, going to libraries. Yeah. Can't do it. Clearly, you're a bit of a social butterfly. And I guess I am. The yeah, hermit I, crab. Just yeah, I guess, you know, just the, everything. the popular people really just suffer. Yeah. <laughs> this don't they? This is where the, the likes of myself and, uh, you know, a few others, a few other friends of mine would come out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, how's the world been going, Rob? What are your, what's your take on how we're doing currently on Tuesday the 7th? So, by the world, do you mean Perth, WA? Because... That's the little microcosm we're living in, or sure, the man, whole sure. world. <laughs> Whatever your two cents is, I want to hear it. So we'll say our world of Perth, WA, is going quite well, actually. We've only had, what, seven new infections yesterday? Yeah, as of 2pm yesterday, seven new infections over the last 24 hours. So that's really impressive. Well done to, I'd say, what, how many more percent of percentage of our listeners are from WA? Oh, 80. Yeah, good <laughs> on you. Congratulations to 80% of our listeners. Good you, on you, everyone. You've, you've done your role for society. I think we're just so isolated already. Yeah, literally. that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm no proud one's to be to a Perth. West Australian, but uh, we're just as good as the the rest of the lot. Yeah, uh, well, there's only one road really connecting us to the um, the Eastern Seaboard, and that's the Air Highway. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when was the last time you drove on that? <laughs> oh, last year, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're just well-travelled, Rob. No one else has ever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, exactly. yeah, we just benefit from just being in the, the most remote place in the world by some measures, which is yeah, pretty crazy. which is pretty good. But the world outside of that is not great. Well, the US is on fire. <laughs> it's actually, New York is so bad. It's, yeah. And the UK as well. It's it's quite concerning in the US with how they're having to set up like hospitals and parks and stuff. Yeah, they said about, they said it had a plan to convert a park in New York to a mass grave. Um, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah, we laugh about it, but that's, I guess, uh, us trying to deal with how fucked up that is. Yeah, it is. It's really, really concerning. And I think a lot of people could see this coming with the US, really, with their, frankly, horrible healthcare system. Yeah, and just broken country, if I might just very generally <laughs> say that kind of unclear statement. But yeah. this is where it ends for them, maybe, Rob. Oh, well, that was last week, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We've been vindicated in just one week. Yeah, look, I wouldn't get too cocky first. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, at least WA, I know it's going pretty, uh, at least better than other states in Australia. Yeah, well, to our one UK listener, as we looked at our stats before Oh, this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. So that one UK listener... Um, we feel sorry for you. You're clearly doing it our harder than we are. and prayers are with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all this our listeners, one, by the way. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's been a while since we've thanked everyone. Thank you for listening. Yeah, it is really a, an honour, the uh, fact that you listen to us to just chat junk for 
45 minutes. I guess you have week. nothing else to do. <laughs> so just exactly. At home. Exactly. So, um, I would like to give a shout out to WA Health for providing amazing statistics, guys. If anyone wants to know how I knew how many coronavirus cases we've had, go to WA Health. They have a great map. You can see how your suburb compares to the other suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, a second shout out to our Instagram page, yep. Unrepresentative Swill Podcast. At Unrepresentative Swill. God, I'm not a marketing person, all right? Yeah, we're, we're clearly, we both aren't. I did take one marketing unit, though, last year. Well, why aren't you leading the marketing team? You were still a podcaster. Um, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> don't enjoy marketing. Yeah, you got 77% of that year. Got that. All right, well, all right. <laughs> one of the easiest units at WA, but we'll move that to one side. Also, you know, we're in a two-week study break, so we got we are, so yeah. much time. Uh, so we would like to announce three podcasts a week now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Podcast every day. Actually, <laughs> actually constant live stream. Yeah. I'm hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That's a tangent and a half. Yeah. Rob, what are we talking about? This is one of your favorite topics. Oh, I love this stuff. The first um, topic. So our first topic is media bias in Australia, which, uh, if you've ever had a drunken conversation with me, it's almost... You know, 90% of the time it does eventually turn to this. Right, two drinks deep, straight <laughs> to the media bias. It's all he talks about for the rest of the night. Um, yeah, but I will try and stay unbiased when talking about bias. Yeah. Which is a weird way of saying it. Uh, yeah, well, but, me and Rob, we've said it before, we'll say it again. You know, we have our political beliefs. We're both probably centre-left. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to put on a scale, but we're to the left for sure. Yep. But we try and play both sides. And at the end of the day, we want to understand, not, you know, pressure people. Yeah. That being said, though, I will find it very <laughs> difficult to... <laughs> I'll that find being it. said, all media in Australia is controlled by right-wing Murdoch. The phrase I like to use in this circumstance is uh, corporate bias. Because I don't think it's really right-wing bias, in all, in all honesty. I think it's much more about what corporate bias is it's more corporate bias than anything um so a little little rundown from my perspective of these this thing is that in order to run a media organization in australia you need a lot of money mm. and usually you can't source that lot of money unless you have a corporation behind you uh the abc is aside from this i'll get into the abc a bit later um so the these corporations obviously have an agenda there's no corporation in the world that is just you know not looking to increase its profits you'd say so they're going to most of the time uh, promote the party that increases their personal profits the most and that is usually the liberal party because they are much more geared towards corporate uh leaders yeah yeah i mean yeah very yeah i'll play devil's advocate and say like a very simplistic approach but there are definitely merits there that make sense and yeah um, well that, that's the easiest way i can put it yeah. yeah yeah for sure um but i think that kind of principle of companies looking out for their own self-interest and especially lobbying government to um you know uphold the law to look after the interests of those media companies is kind of a self-propagating uh issue that I think, like we said last week, will continue to make itself worse and worse, as opposed to you know reform itself and get better. Yep, and I yeah, totally agree. We'll get yeah. worse over time, and I think we, you know, there's evidence we might be seeing that. I mean, the whole intervening thing here is that so new, people often think about newspapers when they say you know media in Australia, 
newspapers are increasingly falling out of favour, obviously, with the whole rise of the online. Yep. But nevertheless, some people do still read them and a lot of those newspapers actually just go straight online in the kind of print format they are. And Murdoch Press, which is, um, or News Corp, uh, which is a um, conglomeration of companies owned by the Murdoch family with good old Rupert Murdoch at the top of that family. Yep. They own or they account for 70% of all newspapers in circulation in Australia. Yep. And I think it, in Queensland, it's like 100% or it's him and Fairfax anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, not not, uh, not great because Murdoch has shown that he is not uh, adverse to um, trying to impart his own political will in his newspapers and also his own corporate interests as well in favour of maybe fair journalistic or journalism. Yeah, I don't even think... I'm not sure about this, actually, but I don't think Rupert Murdoch even tries to hide a political bias anymore, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, just read any other newspaper that's not a news corp paper. It's yeah. there, yeah. Um, it, this being said, though, <clears throat> Rupert Murdoch does own uh, left-wing, in quotations, uh, news outlets like uh, Junkie and uh, Viceland, for example. Does he own Viceland? I believe so, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. There you go. Um, and that's it. That's the thing I love about media bias in this topic. Love's a weird word for it, but I find really interesting in that um, a lot of these uh, Murdoch left-wing papers, anyways, position themselves around these social justice issues, which are get me really fired up because, in, in all honesty, I don't think it's that important to the political process. Obviously, I agree with a lot of these social issues. But they're not really that important in my eyes to the political process. A key one for me would be changing the date. Um, I think it's probably the right thing to do, but I don't think it's worth a massive debate every single year. Yeah, yeah. I will say even Indigenous people, some Indigenous people say that they would rather reforms to the welfare system, exactly, um, than or prioritize that than talking about changing the date. While you know, not just subtracting from the importance of that, but um, they definitely do have a big role in. Uh, determining the national agenda and what conversation is happening um, yeah. around the nation. And that can be, yeah, as you said, whatever it wants. And that is a more subtle way of addressing the points in which one political party might appear weaker on to the public. So if you focus all of the reporting that week on an issue that, say, Labour or the Lib- the Liberals appear uh, weaker on, then you effectively are controlling certain political outcomes in a kind of subtle way. Yeah, definitely. Companies definitely have a lot of power in the system, right? And that is a natural thing that will happen when you allow independent companies to set up their own news uh, media um, yeah. systems and newspapers and such. And I don't even th- I don't think that that concept is like bad inherently, of course. Well, no, because the the thing we got to understand here is we are me and Nick here are both communists. We both support the ABC. Or no. um, that's a joke, oh, by yeah. the way. Um, but those those individual freedoms of companies are very important. Yeah. And that has to really has to be upheld in my mind. Definitely. I mean, um, it's it would be like crazy to say it, it, it is tending to authoritarianism if you just have like if you restrict yeah. the ability for companies to set up their own independent uh, journalism. Exactly. But, you know, on the other hand, what happens eventually when you have like a kind of very like market friendly system that most countries have? is that there's not a lot of regulation around those media companies and they become huge conglomerates like News Corp is. And then if you, you know, a certain number of factors align and you get a 
a family controlling it who wants to impart their political will that you'll get a very, very unfair system and on in australia it's on steroids because as we said we quoted the numbers before news corp yeah. has such control over the national discussion and i mean you can look into if you want evidence you can look at <clears throat> the ousting of um malcolm turnbull um the reported reporting in uh, the news corp papers uh, in the weeks before that shows or like was very anti-turnbull and pro-dutton um and Malcolm Turnbull's complained a lot about that since, and he's kind of declared war against News Corp. Um, if you look at the 2000... Kevin Rudd's done the same thing. A lot of former PMs yeah. are not happy with News Corp. I was literally just about to mention Kevin yeah. Rudd's elections, um, yeah. because News Corp was so anti-Kevin Rudd. And I mean, I think I'll put... I might put an image on our Instagram of um, just a display of papers around the, twenty, I think, 2013 election, the Rudd v. Um, Abbott election. Yep. They're all News Corp papers, and they're all different papers. They're all owned by News Corp, but they are all clearly anti, uh, anti-Rudd. Well, it's not even it's not even like hiding it, saying, you know, no, this yeah. mob must go. I and know. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, so, like, of course, like, I don't necessarily want to say they can't do that, but I just think when you get so big and you have so much power over the system, you have a certain degree of responsibility to... Yeah. You know, and realize that you you have immense power, and that you have to be fair and impartial. Um, you know, having like telling both sides of the story, whether that be in different news publications, and you know maybe some news publications just saying the facts and not putting a spin on it. Yeah, well, I think the thing that I'm a big fan of is actually what Kevin Rudd has actually talked about on his Twitter. I highly recommend following Kevin Rudd on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, and stuff because he he does talk about these things a lot. Uh, he's definitely not my favorite prime minister of all time. <laughs> I can't stand him to be honest. But he is. Um, he talks about this media bias, <clears> and I think it's a really, really important topic. Um, with that being said, though, he he's been promoting a royal commission into uh, Rupert Murdoch, uh, and obviously it'll be quite a short one because we have royal commissions every fucking year. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of shit broken in Australia, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, and all that'll do because you, I, you can't really change this system. It, it's just not possible in capitalist capitalistic societies, if you ask me. And even though I don't like it, I think it's a lot better than the alternative because propaganda in the east, as it's known, or in you know authoritarian states, is just like a big fat man cuddling children, saying "boy yeah. for me," pretty much. And that is just all air. Kind of fair independent journalism <laughs> yeah. destroyed. I mean, like, yeah, at, yeah at least this tries to hide that it's independent and fair. <laughs> um, yeah. But that, yeah, getting back to that royal commission is it? It all it would do is it just point a light at it and make more people aware of it because people would have to report on the royal commission. I, I yeah. think they'd have to anyway. Yeah, I mean, you'd hope so. I just think um, even even if people are aware of like. You know, seeing a, the cover of a newspaper and thinking like, oh, you know, it's the Australian. Um, like, I know that's like has a right bias, so I'll take this with a grain of salt. Even if people do have that approach, there's a lot of subconscious things that happen. And this is getting into like, um, like the psychology of politics and like marketing and advertising as well. There's a lot of um, things that happen when you're just constantly surrounded by, um, you know, maybe more right of centre or more left of centre um, advertising or media your brain starts to be geared to that way and whether you like it or not 
you will start to understand some things in a different way and it will influence your opinion. Yeah. And it can be those minor things that in conjunction with, say, another political campaign from, say, a party could actually direct your vote in an election. Yeah. I I think they actually did a psychology um, experiment on this. Don't quote me on this, by the way. Um, In which they took the, uh, like, mind of a left-wing person i.e like a democrat in the u.s i think was and a right-wing republican um and they found that there was actually like significantly different like brain waves in them in that the left-wing person would often like uh have higher levels of like um what's the word i'm looking for uh like emotional intelligence and stuff like that whereas left-wing a right-wing person would be more uh, logical in their intelligence yeah um and that's i don't want to say anything based on that <laughs> no <laughs> because that'll be a uh, minefield but i think it's very interesting that your brain is almost not brain but like your brain is very important in dictating that um political ideology anyway. yeah i think we're all products of our environment um if you put people into different environments regardless of whatever genetics or inherent characteristics they had they will become more shaped towards what that environment is suggesting yeah, and if, that's the same thing as if, if you, you could be the most left-wing person in the world. If you go up in a super right-wing household, you will be more sympathetic to right-wing ideals, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but it's something that has to be recognised. And in the case of like a huge conglomerate like News Corp who controls so much media in the country, we just have to start questioning like the extent of that power and whether or not that power is accountable. Because yes. I think we're increasingly seeing like it's not accountable at all. Yeah, and a lot of people who would argue with our point we're making now is saying, what about the ABC and SBS, for example? Yeah, well, I think it's good um, to talk about those. And i gladly talk about those <laughs> those two corporations. Uh, first of all, their funding is just near on nothing. Um, so it's very, very difficult for them to actually get a foothold in Australian media, especially when compared to Murdoch, who owns everything pretty much. Him and uh, Channel 9 Co., which is uh, Channel 9 and uh, Fairfax uh, Media, they just run the country pretty much in terms of media. It's quite scary. (laughs) And let's let's be honest, no one watches the ABC unless they are predisposed to those left-wing ideals, right? Uh, Maybe. I don't... Like, with the amount of hounding that Rupert Murdoch's done of the ABC, I remember maybe... Could be even ten years back now. The Liberal Party wanted a royal commission into the ABC for bias. Yeah, true. That was dumb. And it's been like they've been hounded for a long time for being this left wing, you know, latte sipping, uh, news broadcaster. Yeah. So you only people from uh, I fucking hate using these right and left wing terms, but people from that like right wing as we call it, uh, disposition, they're not. Don't care about the ABC. Yeah, I think I don't want to make a comment about like um like the behavior of other people without looking at data. I kind of like strongly believe that in most cases, but I, I think you're probably right. Um, I think like you know just take everything here with a grain of salt. Like we're saying, um, <laughs> probably more people like people um who watch the ABC, listen to the ABC, are probably more inclined towards uh like a neutral or left position yeah um not saying that it's like black or white either side but yeah i i definitely agree with that um yeah yeah obviously take these things with a grain of salt i just get really fired up about it to be (laughs) honest we love that (laughs) um yeah so 
I think if you if you guys want more information on this topic, uh, this is related to more US media bias, but it, it applies to Australia because it's the exact same issue. It's the exact same issue in all capital capitalistic uh, Western societies, really. I'd highly suggest reading uh, Manufacturing Consent by Noam Chomsky. Or if you can't be bothered reading like me, uh, just watch the documentary. It's oh, three yeah, hours I've and it's got, it. it's got scary 80s music in the background, but it's a really, really interesting uh, watch and it really makes you uh, question pretty much all media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we talked about ABC. I think I generally really like the ABC. I think they do so much good programming and whether or not they're biased, I think in an individual level with different presenters, it's so hard to reduce bias. I think you just have to do your best to record like really like promote your recording of the facts and leave the analysis in a separate place and also just get a number of different left and right wing commentators like i'm familiar with like many commentators on the abc who are like i can tell a left of center but try to be impartial Uh, but there's also commentators i know that are right on the abc um the abc is like a it's government control so there's accountability there right they're accountable to the government what is not good is when you start taking away their funding year after year yeah. um, and drain them of resources to force them to, as you say, you know, not be able to do as good a job at being impartial or at least appear that but way. But then it, on that point is who, is who is the government right now? And I know, I know this is against the ABC's whole mantra of being fair and independent, but would you go live on TV and talk shit about your boss? Because that's what Lee Sales is supposed to do each night, you know, scrutinise government. I don't think she does, but we'll move that to one side. I, I hear a lot of talking um, about, from other news sources, about how the ABC has to be really careful about talking about certain things. Exactly. Because, you know, it, it's not like, they're accountable, but the government can cut their funding as a punishment. Exactly. That, that's, a, that's a major issue here, is it almost should be, uh, like, run from independent, from partisan issues it should be like the rba yeah almost it receives like a certain amount of funding and you can't change that i i don't i almost advocate for that because i think media is just as if not more important than the rba and that's a really large statement to make yeah well no i agree i mean i think uh, that's like a misconception about just society in general that you know ideas are not as important as like hard facts like money and stuff in the economy Exactly. So, so misled, I think. They're in, in, inexplicably, inexplicably intertwined and mm. very important, both of them. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with you, Matt. Mate, let's set it up. Proposition <laughs> in Parliament. Go fund me for the ABC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I'm pretty happy with what we've discussed there. Yeah, uh, sweet. You? I'm, awesome. I'm good. We'll return to it at a later date, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> this will be a recurring uh, topic in the Rob podcast. Rob loves the media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, moving away from Australia, um, we're turning towards the UK with the very very whack news today that yeah. Boris Johnson uh, reported symptoms of the coronavirus 10 days ago but was just chilling at home, running the country, has been admitted to hospital today and intensive care. Yeah, I heard he was getting, like, he was, you know, getting oxygen all the time, eight hours at a time, et cetera, et cetera. Which is whack. And it's been a very big week for UK politics, actually, because, you know, the, the new Labour leader has been elected. Yeah. And now Boris is nearly dead. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, God, that would be insane. We don't want to laugh about that, by the way. No, <laughs> yeah, you know, wish him the best. It's yeah. not, not even like a political thing. I'm, I don't know. Someone, dude, would just replace him if he passed away from the Yeah, from I, the I think it, me and Nick are 
both probably aligned towards the Labour Party in the UK as well in terms of our views. But we, we do seriously wish that he can recover well and um, all those things. It's never good for a country that's dealing with a pandemic to have the leader of their country die from that pandemic. Yeah. Seems pretty bad to me. Totally, totally agree with you there, mate. So yeah, uh, best wishes to Boris Johnson. If you listen in, Boris, yeah. <laughs> we hope you yeah. have a speedy recovery. That's that's crazy. Yeah, as you said, though, the other thing is that after their really bad defeat last year, uh, in the very last months of 2019, uh, Labor have elected a new leader. Um, Jeremy Corbyn is gone and Keir Starmer is in now. Um, Jeremy Corbyn was famous for being a super left wing or super left wing, as people thought, um, a very uh, reformist in terms of the economy leader of the Labour Party, who in 2016 galvanised uh, his voter base enough to almost beat the coalition under um, Theresa May. And that was a complete shock of a, um election, that one. A yeah. lot of people thought Theresa was just going to absolutely run away with it. That's why she called it. She called the polls because she was so ahead um, yeah. in 2016. And yeah, and then she had a, a, a kind of a poor performance, but also Corbyn was able to really yeah, mobilise his uh, base, like a lot of young, um, fired up people. Not the traditional Labour base, yeah. which maybe wasn't the best thing. In uh, the long run. Yeah, as yeah. we found out last year, but really impressed people. And uh, Theresa lost, or the Tories lost, not the coalition, the Tories lost seats. Yep. And were uh, had a minority government for a little bit. Had to work with the DUP and stuff. Um, got complicated, but in twenty nineteen, Boris, the new leader of the Conservatives, had to call an election, um, and people thought that he might have lost. It wasn't quite as a shock as a. It wasn't quite as a shock as our election was last or, year. Yeah, or Trump's in twenty sixteen. Yeah, but it was yeah semi expected. Minor, yeah, minor, minor shock maybe to yeah. some people. But it really was a. If you're a believer in Corbyn's kind of politics, like a very reformist, um, some people even say populist message about like changing the system and a yep. very economic message at heart about like returning people's living standards and fighting for the working class. If you're a supporter in that vision, it's a very bad thing. Because Keir Starmer is way closer to the centre than Jeremy Corbyn was. And he has kind of signalled that Labour will return to a more centre position than it was before. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Corbyn's voter base was untraditional for the the UK Labour Party. A lot of the UK Labour Party gets its votes from the Northerners. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of those industrial heartlands. Yeah, there used to be big coal mines, and big stuff. coal mines and such. But he his um, policy base is a lot around the green revolution and all these new. Um, again, I hate using this term, but left wing ideas, yeah. um, and that clearly turned off a lot of people who were in the north and were, you know, Labour Party voters at heart, well, not at heart, the traditional Labour Party yeah, voters. Yeah, who've been voting for, like, all their life, Labour. Um, turned them off because they were, they didn't align with that idea. They aligned with the old Labour of, you know, um, sticking up for workers' rights, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and another, it was just such a crazy election because another huge intervening factor was Brexit and Labour's position on Brexit. So on one hand, you had all the policies that Labour really wanted to do, and on the other hand, you had the political minefield of Brexit. How, as a party, do you 
answer that when 50%, basically 50%, or 51 and 49% of the country are split either way based on the 2016 result on that issue. And that is not a fine split between you know conservatives and Labour. That's a mixed split. A lot of those regions you were talking about voted leave um, because that traditionally was a left kind of um, uh, a policy to leave the European Union. Jeremy, yeah. Corden, Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn, Corbyn himself yeah. was a... Been on that for a long time. Yeah, so, so-called fan of the Lexit, the left yeah. exit from <laughs> the European Union. Um, so I think Labour's position, which was to um, uh, build a deal to leave the European Union and then have another referendum, upset a lot of those traditional Labour voters who wanted to leave and voted leave. And you saw them lose a bunch of those traditional heartland Labour districts, and that which they hadn't lost since like nineteen ten. Yeah, which is whack. Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. Um, and I, do you think that Corbyn's policy there of I think his policy was he'd bring it back to a referendum, right? Yeah. And you reckon that was a major factor, right? I just think it's so as, as with all elections trying to say what was the big difference oh yeah so the, you think that that was definitely a contributing factor yeah so important yeah. I think uh, right? I tend to agree with you with that yeah. yeah and like a lot of people were in the after, aftermath of the whole thing kind of blamed Brexit as the reason as opposed to Jeremy Corbyn's own policy or ideals yeah um, I don't think you can ever really blame an election on one issue in no. all honesty I, we talked about it last week with the twenty uh, the Australian election. It'll be the same here. It'll be the same in November if that election even goes ahead. Yeah, <laughs> At this rate, um, um, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, it's it's such a fascinating thing for me because the whole traditional voter base completely fell apart because you were getting people in the kind of inner city in London who are traditionally um, uh, like sorry, not the inner city, the outer suburbs who are traditionally more um, conservative-orientated yeah. um, because because of the ideas about economics, like the kind of uh, favouring big business, tax write-offs, whatever. Those traditional areas which are more conservative. Increasingly socially looking towards Labour for like an effective response on climate change, right? And the, the conservatives are allegedly not doing that to a good enough degree. So in one way, the conservative um, voter base is also backflipping on social issues. But then you have the Labour voter base also kind of changing sides on kind of ideological or social issues like Brexit or just like issues of like populism and a divide between young and old people. There's so many intervening factors which have completely destroyed each, like what, what was a clear kind of picture of each voter base. Yeah, well, I, I, must, I must put this out there. I'm not as knowledgeable on UK politics as Nick is. Um... But yeah, you can clearly it's the same in Australia in the fact that the Labour Party doesn't re- isn't really a Labour Party anymore. It's more of generic left wing party. Really. <laughs> um, so generic left wing yeah. party. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, like they still stand up for you know still heavily funded by unions and clearly are the better party for workers. I don't think that's too controversial. In terms yeah, of I don't know, maybe. That. Sure. <laughs> Blue collar workers. Blue yeah. collar, yes. Um, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Thank you for saving me <laughs> once again. Um, but yeah, it it's clearly there's a change in these Labour parties. Anyways, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, we saw it here with the by election in um, uh, Wentworth, where yeah, that was before the twenty nineteen election. But Malcolm Turnbull, Turnbull's old seat was won by an independent, um, not Zali Stegall. It was the other one. 
I don't remember her name, but <laughs> that was one of those electorates where um, it was like had been con- um, uh, not conservative, liberal. Sorry, switching between yep. right wing parties <laughs> between countries. It's been liberal for decades, and um, that electorate though is like very well educated and um, wanted action on climate change and was kind of more disposed to the center or left on those social issues. Yeah, it's a really interesting way how it seems that politics is changing really quickly right now in terms of people's ideologies and voter bases anyways it's all falling apart man yeah like the terms were used and the, the, U- the uk was a clear example of that and yeah. it was the same in 2016 i think of one seat i can't remember the exact name of it it was like held by the tories since you know 1809 yeah, yeah. and <laughs> labor won it in 2016 yeah yeah because like it's so weird. Imagine trying to be the leader of one of these parties and just being like, I have to win the election. You have to try and um, like speak to the people, the very traditional people who are more conservative in their social thinking, um, but also like have different economic views. And then you also want to appeal to the young people who may have the same like right economic views, but are now more progressive in their social thinking. It's incredibly difficult for a... Um, I think it's much more difficult for a left-wing party a left wing again and fuck it oh, I hate left, myself yeah I don't know man it's hard left <laughs> of centre I think it's very difficult for those parties because obviously young I think young people are more deep um can't remember the word more like uh in favour of these left uh social ideas anyways yeah across the board you know whether the labour across the board but yeah. they still left wing uh, parties have to balance that always with that traditional working class yeah, yeah. um Whereas I think right-wing parties can sort of get away with being a little bit more moderate and it works a bit better for their traditional classes because they're changing their social policies aren't really going to affect their voting base, if you ask me. That's interesting, yeah, because I don't for know. For the most part, anyways. I, think I don't know, though, to be honest. You saw it in the UK with the issue of Brexit and also, um, like, Labour's policy. So, like, people maybe associate um, Labour or a left w- left-wing party with a yeah (laughs) but being more socially progressive so say more welcoming to like immigrants or whatever or more open to the idea of just european integration in general because that's like a progressive thing to do um on the same on the on the other hand people who are traditionally labor supporters um who are these kind of blue blue collar workers may think there are economic reasons to leave the union to stop you know people coming and taking their lower skill generally jobs yeah Um, agreed so there's a whole contradiction then. How do you solve that within your own voter base without completely exploding, which is what happened to Labour well, last I think, year? Well, I think the solution which has been shown for the Labour Party, um, particularly with Blair, is just be as centrist as you can. Yeah, yeah, you can't. And right. it's a little bit depressing for more progressive people. Again, quotations. I hate myself. Um <laughs> Like me and Nick, but I think that's the only way really that Labour can win in the UK. I want to say I, I think don't that's even know how Labour can win anymore, man. Like yeah. you saw, our Labour lost last year. Their Labour lost last year. I mean, the Democrats lost in twenty sixteen, which is like kind of similar but very different also. But yeah, how so, does a left wing party win in contemporary politics? It's very interesting, and um, and it's a question we don't know the answer. And yeah. the the only case example I can think of is move to the centre because it's worked worked for Rudd and worked for Blair for example yeah and yeah. worked for Obama I guess 
Sure, but well, I'd, the US is completely different. They're like so, so much more shifted towards the right, as we put it. Yeah, I again, know. Hate they, myself. they also have the benefit of just being able to run as a one single candidate as opposed to a whole yeah, party. That is true. Um, very complicated question. Um, and I think we'll explore also as more the idea. It's an, a very interesting idea. Like, is it easier for a, a right wing party to win government these days than a left wing party? Yeah, I am inclined to think that it's much easier for a right wing party, but also I think that requires more explanation and kind of like yeah, we to need to go deeper into that, and we'll for get sure. called uh, left wing cucks for putting this out. Oh and yeah, saying that, obviously that's fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it might not be right, but I think it's worth talking about. Exactly, because that we're talking fosters understanding, Rob. Yeah, well, we'll try and bring our understanding anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also, it'll be interesting to see if a left-wing party wins eventually at something. Yeah. If the Democrats win this year. I don't think they will, unfortunately. Oh, I don't yeah, know if... Who knows? I don't right. know. What would you prefer? A half-asleep old man or an orange? It's pretty hard. <laughs> I, I really dislike <laughs> Biden so much that I don't even think it's like a left victory. Yeah, because it's I just the same bullshit the Democrats the thing have been doing. Is, for Trump is so charismatic, and I, 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 of course, we talk about Trump. <laughs> it comes up every episode. I find him so funny. I actually like really enjoy Trump now. Oh, Not yeah. his policies, but just him as a person. Yeah, enjoy him, but also depressed. Yeah, when you realize how important the things. You know, he said that thing about that coronavirus drug, the anti-malarial drug. Yeah, yeah. He said it was like good at promote, like it was like good for fighting the virus. And then his Department of Health, like, leader came out and said, like, an hour after there was no evidence to show that. <laughs> Regardless, yeah. the demand for all those drugs skyrocketed and it sold out in company. It's like, what a moron. He has so much power. Okay, anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah, you were saying. Tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just a funny guy. I, look, funny guy. It, it's a little bit of a millennial thing. Of We just know that the world's going to end in 50 years due to climate change anyway. So. Yeah, man. Climate, we haven't May as well laugh at it. <laughs> Topic yeah. for next week, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. The, this whole, like, how can a left-wing government win thing is also important in terms of climate change. You can rephrase that question. How can a government who has a good policy response to climate change win? Exactly. Because yeah. apparently they can't. <laughs> I've been looking for one. Apparently they, they can't. Well, no. no. No, the Liberal government's meeting all its targets. Have oh, you mate. heard we're <laughs> on track to meeting our targets? Yeah, sarcasm, right, we're, sarcasm. <laughs> we're using our tokens from the Kyoto Protocol or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's pretty well covered. We've yeah, gone off on sorry, a tangent there. Sorry to everyone for being a little bit biased there, but... Uh, yeah, look, it... <clears throat> We're, we've been cooped up in isolation. We're sick of everything. Now. I know. Me and Nick, yeah. we're no longer going to hide our bias. <laughs> we'll be good boys next episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we promise. <laughs> oh, is it time for the third topic? I think it's well and truly time. I think this might be a bit of a long podcast at this rate, mate. But I'm going to get fired up about this. One, <laughs> so I don't know why I said that shit before. The third topic, Rob, is TikTok. Yeah. I, funny fact about TikTok. I wrote an essay on TikTok last year in international relations. This I didn't know that. Did you actually? Yeah. I didn't know you talked about uh, TikTok. Yeah, in international relations in East Asia, I wrote an essay about TikTok as an example of Chinese <laughs> soft power. It is. It's and you know what I did? I did well on that essay. Good job, man. Brought my mark up to a distinction, which nice. is handy. <laughs> <laughs> man, this one just goes out to all the people I know who are like, oh no, I just used, I use TikTok. Like, I just don't get that in, that much into it though. Or like, I just like watch them and I don't record them. I don't fucking care. Because <laughs> you use, because you, you don't have a shred of understanding about like the significance of TikTok. Because no one fucking knows that it's a Chinese company. I forgot the name of the Chinese company that owns it. 
I'll be maybe Mr. Google. Yeah, you, the guy with the computer, Rob, look it up. Um, but it's owned by a Chinese company. Has like so over 800 million users worldwide, which is like 10% of the global population, which is fucked. And they have, they've had run into so many different kinds of issues. Last year, for instance, um, vis-a-vis censoring uh, very controversial things like the Hong Kong protests. People don't realize that in some ways it's just an arm of the Chinese government, which is not a democracy and it's completely chill. They are an authoritarian regime, which is increasingly looking very scary and does not have does not give two shits about impeding people's human rights. Yes. Uh, so jump in here. The company that owns it is called Byte Dance. That's right. B- fucking Byte Dance. <laughs> They're founded by this bloke called Zhang Yan Yimi. Zhang Yimi, I guess. Damn. Um, and yeah, it, it is. It, we should touch um on that fact that it, China. They're not going to be like, oh, look at all these, you know, Westerners dancing to our, you know, doing our little little, little dances oh, the on TikTok our, on dances, our Rob. So hilarious. They're, they're an authoritarian state, right? And, you know, you can see that they're an open economic market, but they're still authoritarian. They still, you know, repress human rights. They still repress any, like, uh, you know, unique ideas. Even the Uyghurs in the, in the East, who aren't really that threatening to the system really no yeah it's not like they're saying you know let's bring down the, the communist party once and for all <laughs> yeah. they're just religious yeah you know? they're kind of just uh, different to the yeah. han chinese people um but no that won't do no you must be han chinese and you must pledge allegiance at all time to the communist party yeah and tiktok has no qualms about censoring content that is related to the re-education camps in xinjiang province or the Hong Kong protests, or Taiwan, or Tibet. Um, they previously did a lot of censoring about topics that were unfavorable to the CCP. And that was for people both within China and outside of China as well. Yep. And I will say since then, I've researched a lot about this, they have changed the way they do censoring, where they've kind of um, decentralized it. So it's censored kind of in its own country where TikTok, like that, TikTok has an office there. But there are many other issues than censorship that matters here. One of them is data. You People don't realize yeah. that companies like Facebook, any kind of social media platform like that, collect so much data off you when you use it like that. Yeah. And your data is being held by you know, a company that is in a country where the government can just say, hey, look at all your data. I want that. It's not like Facebook. Where exactly. The, the Facebook has property rights over that data. Well, yeah, that's the thing in... in- Obviously, all these companies take your data. And by the way, we'll, we, we'll get into data ownership. In, Cambridge Analytica people, Google it. Yeah, I would like I would like to get into that at some point. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to be a proponent of the Andrew Yang policy of getting a data check each week. But, yeah. You know, we'll move that to you one side. You don't own the data. Exactly. We'll move that to one side anyways. Um, so these, this company can just like mine your data, as all companies do pretty much on the internet. Mine your data, and then the CCP can go, can we have a look at that? Yeah. I don't and know about you, but I don't really feel comfortable with the CCC having my data. No. CCP, sorry. No, I really don't, which is why I don't download TikTok. You know? Exactly, I'm the same. But, you know, white girls out there clearly don't care. <laughs> yeah, white <laughs> girls and also the plenty of other people who download TikTok. No, only white women. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah, that's obviously that's a joke. It was a joke, guys. Guys, guys please chill. don't. Yeah, yeah please don't add us. Just me. Um, I just think people, it kind of annoys me and I understand, but it annoys me how ignorant people are of this. And when I talk to them about it, they don't seem to care at all. Yeah. I just think they don't understand. 
how scary and like real life this situation actually is. Um, and I want to point to two things which are potentially dangerous with that data. Number one is when I've, you know, I know about TikTok, never downloaded it, but I know it has like a watch section where it, it like creates a feed for you, all the videos you might be interested in. TikTok controls that feed, right? So they can, they control, they, their algorithm controls what you see and like that's going to be the, what you click on and what you then digest and talking about media, you know, you see the lessons from that, but you also subconsciously start to associate and understand that media. Yeah. Right? So they basically control a section of your media coverage, which is pretty fucked. And then on the other hand, um, they can use that data for political, geo, uh, uh, strategic reasons, the, C- the CCP can. Yep. So the Cambridge Analytica scandal, which I have referenced before, was an instance where uh, a, ca- a country a company used Facebook data um, to help political parties win elections. And it was insane like the actual influence that data had it like was the difference between winning and losing in some instances who like the, if the ccp wanted to they could use uh, theoretically use data from tiktok um to kind of learn about people's political leanings learn who to target in elections and then do the same thing russia did in the 2016 election which is also another topic we can talk about <laughs> in a, in another election in the u.s right your data is valuable and more data more detailed data for a, you know, a different demographic of people is super, super valuable. Yeah. And like if the Chinese won't use it, someone will. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> Either way, the Chinese government is most likely profiting from this, right? Yeah. Either through uh, power and ideological means or through economic means. Yeah. I mean, and that, just, I know China's economic growth is proving to be a huge, important trade partner for Australia, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't, think that it's going to help australian interests because well you always bring it back to australia in this podcast i guess we're australians yeah we are actually australian guys um it can't be beneficial for australian interests yeah just cannot be and you know i'm not i haven't ever actually been on tiktok as an app uh like even looking through someone else's phone but you know if you guys ever see you know a bit of chinese propaganda on your tiktok feeds just watch out, all right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I think people like just realize that companies don't have the same um, kind of like rules that they do in in Western democracies. Pretty much any other country, select a few, um, like China and other countries, right? Like they you don't have the same freedoms in terms of the way they use that data. So you know, the, the, we have barely any freedoms about data in Western countries anyway. But in China, it's like the worst possible case. Oh well, in in uh, our country, at least it's owned by some. Some rich, rich CEO. Yeah. yeah but in, the, in china it's literally the got it's whatever the government wants to do with it exactly which is quite scary yeah and you know we we often talk about how rich ceos are the worst people on this podcast in terms of you know two topics ago with media bias yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and even last topic but i think an authoritarian government is a little worse yeah probably yeah i mean it's like being ceo of a country really isn't it <laughs> Um, yeah. so you gotta be careful you gotta be real careful and i think you know the public in some respect especially this young demographic that uses tiktok isn't aware of the broader concerns right like it's all you know you, they might say like oh but you know like what is china gonna do with me you just don't want to support an app that is also like censoring um uh like basically locking up people of a certain ethnicity in xinjiang province yep. right like why would you support that app or in that east, country east 
Turkestan as they like to be known. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> topic for another cast. Yeah, another topic. Yeah, but even the Hong Kong protests, right? Like, why would you want to support a company that censored that? Yeah, why would you want to support a company in a country that does these things, you know, these human right abuses, really? Yeah, and the answer is, like, don't. Like, you just don't. have, you have can... like, a moral and just, like, don't, like, do your funny dances somewhere else. Yeah, and if you really need to view TikTok, you can just go on YouTube and type in a TikTok compilation. That's fun. true. Guys, use Google, the very great American company yeah. that I'm sure has done nothing wrong. Yeah, that company that's done nothing wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like... But... Uh, Honestly, it's just not worth it, guys. Yeah. Please. It's probably too late if you already have it, in all honesty. Yeah, Go I ahead, know. make an account. <laughs> I know me and Rob have a lot of power over everyone. <laughs> so we're saying, public service announcement, refrain from using TikTok. Yeah. That's a protest. Exactly. Um, that being said, CCC, CCP, uh, uh, Jing. Oh, yeah, Z. Please. See, so I'll just do my salute. See, uh, whatever happens, I uh, I always said from the start I supported your leadership. Exactly. Nick Nick actually did a salute then in real I life. Did, yeah, I did. <laughs> so yeah. Well, when we eventually start live streaming these, I'll do. I'll show you that salute. See, <laughs> and uh, we'll be best mates. I promise. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty interesting way to finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, weird. That's been like a running joke for the past three or four times. Yeah, it'll be a running joke of this podcast because we always seem to talk about China, the US, and Australia in this podcast. Turns out those are the overriding global themes <laughs> of our generation. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Who'd have thought it? Yeah, crazy. Um, are you finished there, mate? Or have you still got more to talk about? I'm finished. I'm drained. After yeah. this and the whole left-wing parties can't win elections thing, I'm, I'm a little bit drained, a little bit depressed. Yeah, we, we are. Sorry, this podcast will probably be our most biased of the ones we've released. Yeah. So we, yeah. we apologise for that. Maybe um, opinionated, because like, I don't yeah. try and be biased. I think I'm just opinionated. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. We, we, we apologise for that. We apologise if we um, offended you, and we welcome any oh, please, critiques of please. our opinion? I would um, love to be corrected. At unrepresented swill, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so we we welcome <clears throat> any critiques. Anyone who has something uh, else to say about us, um, and we will try and understand you, and we'll try and have a good discourse about this stuff because yeah. shouting on the internet doesn't work. Yeah, I think. it's. I think something that is really important to me is talking and like fostering understanding. Because, like, yelling at each other, you know, is good for having a debate, but at the end of the day, it's not going to help anything. So, like, I think the ultimate goal is to help understand, like, other people, really. Exactly. Agree. At unrepresentative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, follow, follow the grand, because we'll do, like, polls and stuff. Like, we want to get the audience more involved as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we should say, little service announcement, we'll be bringing on guests as soon as this uh, epidemic finishes, Oh yeah. Say. When, well, as soon as the guidelines allow us to. Yeah. We're going to be um, responsible podcast hosts. Yeah, we are a little bit semi-irresponsible because I don't think this is essential, but we'll move that to myself. Oh, but you're allowed to have yes. No, it's fine. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. But yeah, um, so yeah, this podcast will be going through a few changes over this time. Um, but yeah, I think we can just say, all we can do now is say, stay safe, wash your hands. Be uh, good people, guys. Yeah, think about follow the, the guidelines. Yeah, think about your grandparents, not about you. Yeah, sorry, once. I was talking about TikTok, but... <laughs> Same with that. Also, yeah, think don't, about your Don't download TikTok. That's the final message of this podcast. Yeah, man. Your, your grandparents fought in a war. What are you doing? Watching dance videos yeah, on your phone. You get to stay home and watch TV, but we can't even do that. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. All right.
Okay. Stay safe, everyone. Have a Thank good you. week. Bye.